What up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy. As always, this is your boy Will Weir checking in. How you doing? How you living? Joining me as he does each and every time, best friend, co-host, coach of the podcast, the one and only Greg Manakis. What's going on, man? Happy Sunday morning to you. Happy Sunday, bro. Excited to watch some football later today. Excited to talk some C's with your brother. Yeah, man. C's are streaking. Nine game win streak. A lot of good football being played. It's a fun time. Uh, But... We do want to kind of address the the elephant in the room that was was dropped a little bit. Uh, I believe it was on Friday, actually. So uh, you may have seen the news about Vox Media laying off uh, about seven percent of of their staff, which Vox Media does own SB Nation um, and Celtics Blog. Celtics Blog is going nowhere. However, they have shut down the majority of the podcast division of SB Nation, uh, and that does include uh, your boys here, Green with Envy, our friends at uh, First to the Floor. So. As of right now, we don't being 100% transparent. We're working on a solution to figure out what's eventually going to happen. We just we just don't really know yet. Um, as of right now, this feed, stay tuned, stay subscribed. Uh, for sure, we're going to be carrying th- carrying on with coverage up and through roughly about the All Star break end of February. Uh, after that point, we'll hopefully have a plan by them. By then, we don't know what that is now. Um, but we're going to continue as is here. Uh, tough day for a lot of people out there that are, whether podcasters, writers, um, just stuff you hate to see. But, you know, it's, you know, these things have been happening. If you've been paying attention to a lot of different industries, layoffs have been in the last six months on an incredible up- uptick. So it's uh, it's super unfortunate. But, you know, we're going to we're going to persevere on we're going to find a way to to make it work. So. Um, as of right now, it's a little bit ambiguous what that looks like, but basically the, the bottom line is stay tuned between myself, Greg, our friends over at first to the floor. Uh, we're going to keep y'all updated over the next month about what the plan is eventually going to be. Uh, and then for all that great Celtics blog coverage, that's going nowhere. Celtics blog is still up and running, still powering through. So when you're looking for, you know, Celtics content coverage, different articles, Hit up Celtics blog. That's going nowhere. They remain unchanged. Um, but one to be transparent and make sure that you know we let y'all know what's going on because that is a big part of our podcast is being authentic, letting you guys know uh, what we're feeling, what we're going through, what's happening. Um, so that's kind of a little bit of a green with envy state of the union, uh, if you will. Anything else you want to you want to add to that, Greg? I didn't know if you were going to save this for the vibe check or not, but I like that we're just addressing it right off the top. Um, yeah, so because of this, make sure that you are subscribing to our YouTube channel. Um, we're still going to be producing content. We're still going to do the pod. Hopefully, um, best case scenario, you won't have to change anything and that we can just stay stay on here on this feed. But we don't really know what's going to happen yet. We do know that we're going to continue um, having a good relationship with Celtics blog. We're going to continue a relationship with uh, First to the Floor and all the people that we've developed good relationships with over over this uh, over this time. But definitely make sure you're subscribing to our YouTube channel. Uh, For those of you that are watching on YouTube, shout out to you. We're going to be putting a lot more energy and effort into our YouTube channel, but the pods will not stop. No matter where you get our pod, the pod will be available somewhere at some point once we figure all this stuff out. But hang in there for the time being. We're going to keep bringing you uh, all the great content you're used to getting on this feed. So let's do it, bro. 
Let's do it to it, man. Like we said, Celtics are currently riding a nine-game win streak. Since we last talked, our last podcast was setting y'all up for that massive rematch of the rematch against the Golden State Warriors. And, you know, the the word of the last two games, Greg, has kind of been chaos, right? Mm-hmm. Which makes me feel like Joe Missoula is a big Batman fan. Like, I feel like he's <laughs> living in the chaos, you know? Like, it made me think of that that scene in, uh, in Dark Knight Rises. Oh, you thought darkness was your ally. Oh, you thought chaos was your ally. That's how I imagine Joe Missoula thinking of this situation in his head when talking about the entire Golden State Warriors game and certainly the ending and all the ups and downs that happened in that Raptors game. And so the first place that we're going to start here, we're going to kind of bounce back and forth between these two games. There's a lot to talk about. It's it was it was a weird set of games, but a really fun set of games that have a lot of discussion points that we're going to get into. But the first one is, you know, left Toronto a little worse for the wear after, you know, several injuries and several Celtics that got kind of knocked around. So first, uh, there was a hyperextension to Rob Williams' knee in which he did not return in the second half of that game. Looks like that was pretty precautionary. Right now, if you're watching us on YouTube, we have a tweet from Keith Smith up that kind of breaks down each of these points. Looks like they were just being preventative with the Rob Williams injury. So that is good news that it looks like that shouldn't be something to worry too much about. As always, though, Rob kind of keeps you on edge. Marcus Smart went down in the second quarter of that game as well. Uh, no knee injury, which is good. X-ray is negative on his ankle. So he's day to day. You know, didn't seem great at the time. You could hear him audibly yell out in pain if you're just watching the broadcast never a great sign um, but day-to-day on that so it seems like maybe the Celtics have avoided um, something too bad with Marcus Smart although he is coming off another injury from the game in San Antonio just a few weeks ago uh, and then Derek White looked like he just kind of tweaked his knee maybe a little bit of needed knee on knee action uh, he remained out in the fourth quarter of that game after after going down but looks like he should be all set and of course Jason Tatum missed the game against Toronto, uh, but that was a little bit of load management, as he talked about last week after he dropped 51, about how all the different injuries that he's been dealing with from his wrist, his thumb, uh, you know, a few different ailing parts of his body. And so that seemed very much management mandated that he was going to sit out that Mm -hmm. Toronto game because JT, you know, never wants to sit out. But let's start here, Greg, before we jump into kind of different players and their storylines over these last two games. Uh, Just give me some of your instant reactions to, you know, first of all, seeing the Celtics go down one after another, after another, after another, watching that Toronto game and to, you know, how the Celtics can deal with this going forward. Well, the first thing is I didn't watch the game until the second half yesterday. So I had to go back and rewatch the first half this morning, but I did get a text message from my brother that my brother, Charles, shout out, Charles, shout out, modern dark Boston that said, Hopefully that's not his season. So I hadn't gotten a text message from you. So I'm like, is this about Pat Mahomes? Cause I saw that stuff going on Pat Mahomes yeah. ankle. And then I was like, no, this has to be about the Celtics. He only texts me about the Celtics. <laughs> so then I went and I looked frantically on the internet. I couldn't really find anything. And then that's when I texted you like, is, is Rob okay? Like what's yeah. going on? He was but referring I, to Marcus's injury. I assume, right? I think he was referring to Rob. I, Ooh, I don't okay. know. I actually, yeah. I, I actually haven't checked in, but I think, I think he was referring to Rob. And when I went back and watched it, and when I saw how Rob played after the injury, I wasn't concerned at all. He didn't really hobble too much. Like he had a couple of those weird, like awkward Rob steps that he takes. But I, I you know, that's just how that's Rob. Just how he, that's how he operates. It's like how Zion walks awkwardly. Yeah, that you're like, I, I don't think he's injured. He just walks that way. 
Yeah, you just hope that there's no lingering effects from this, you know, that maybe it's like a little bit of a um, chink in the armor, so to speak, and that this eventually hurts him in the long run. But he looked fine afterwards. He still looked like Rob. It does seem like it was just preventative. And then with the Marcus thing, I don't know. what is this the ankle that he's been struggling with? I know he had that deep bone bruise. Um, I, I did not double check on that, but I know he's been dealing with some ankle injury um up until this point and when you see him go down that's always a concern but then when you see how the celtics kind of bounce back from that with malcolm brogdon stepping up with Derek white uh stepping up until he got hurt and then obviously we're going to talk about peyton pritchard here in a second but you know with no marcus no rob no tatum no white down the stretch the celtics had every single reason to quit in that game and to give up and just let the Raptors and their length and athleticism kind of take over. But they also had their own injuries. You know, Van Vliet went out, was out for that game and mm-hmm. Ananobi left the game as well. So um, I, was, I was proud of the Celtics overall, not concerned about the injuries. Hopefully the Marcus thing is, you know, just a couple weeks, but this is why you have the depth that we have. Exactly. Messy games all around, but Celtics found a way to get two wins out of this. So we're going to kind of go through a few different players here that had different storylines in each of these last two games. And let's start in Toronto and let's go with with Peyton Pritchard and, and to the point of injuries and depth. This is a great place to start because you have a guy like Peyton Pritchard who ended up in some trade rumors uh, right before that Golden State game, which we touched on briefly that the Warriors may have some interest. We've talked about it before. If there's a move for the Celtics to be made of any significance, likely it means Peyton Pritchard's involved, but there's this reluctance to really do so, which I think makes a lot of sense when you look at these last two games. So in the Golden State game, Pritchard does not play. Then you fast forward to Toronto. You get all the injuries that you talked about. You know, JT sits out to begin with. Rob goes down. Marcus goes down. Derek White goes down. Fast forward to the fourth quarter. Peyton Pritchard plays basically the entire quarter, minus two seconds. Knocks down four out of six threes, including the game winner with about a minute and a half left to go. Has 12 points, two rebounds, and a massive offensive rebound late in the game. And I think this speaks volumes, Greg, to the reasons that if you're reluctant to trade Peyton Pritchard, this is the exact reason for if you end up in a scenario in the playoffs where, you know, you have one of your guards go down, it's pretty incredible that you can rely on a guy with the stones of Peyton Pritchard to come in who's not afraid no matter when, no matter what time. Exactly. And I I have really taken to watching away broadcasts now i i was doing that for the rewatches for a while but then i just got so sick of scal that i was like i'm just gonna watch all the away broadcasts i mean you texted me about the funny uh guy from new york i Yo, was he's like, hilarious. I, I, de- I definitely gotta tune into this but i gotta that look at that guy, guy's name <laughs> that guy absolutely loves peyton pritchard he loves grant williams and they were talking about on the broadcast how someone is going to trade for peyton pritchard but with the injuries, as you can see, for those of you watching on YouTube, we got the Pritchard highlights uh, from our guy, Timmy. Shout out, Timmy. Hope you're doing well, my guy. Um, we got the Pritchard highlights going right now on the screen. And Pritchard came to play, man. And there's there's some talk out there from people that I, I, I don't really understand what they see. But some people think Pritchard isn't a good defender. But one thing that I saw in this game was Pritchard's avail- um, ability to get under bigger guys and just be a pest picking up 94 feet. And he gave Scotty Barnes some trouble. He gave Siakam some trouble. And that's one thing I really like about Pritchard is the ability to pick up and move his feet. He has great lateral quickness and he's tough. He's a bulldog and he makes shots, man. 
Peyton Pritchard always going to make shots. And um, I was, I was just very excited to see Pritchard do his thing in that game last night. Yeah. And, you know, by the way, Matt Devlin is our guy's name okay. on the on the call for the Raptors. Uh, I've actually heard him before because I've checked it on some other Raptors games. I forgot about him. And uh, I, he has a really great call for blocks where I can't even understand what he's saying. He just starts screaming in this <laughs> yeah. very loud voice that I don't know what's happening. But Raptors fans, hopefully you're enjoying that. But yeah, massive performance from Peyton Pritchard. And I think, you know, one of the things that we've talked about with Pritchard this year is that you know, he's an NBA rotation guy. Like, Pritchard's that talented. There's just not enough room to get him consistent. And that's where, you know, you you were saying a few episodes ago, here's my plan. If if Hauser's not getting the job done, here's how we can build in more Peyton Pritchard mints. And this is where you you really got to find a way to try to keep him ready because mm-hmm. moments like this are going to are going to come at some point throughout this season. And I think the fact that you can, to your point that you just laid out about relying on him on defense, you know, I, I kind of think about it as the minutes he does get, I almost want to just let him free, let him be free. Like, hey, Peyton, mm-hmm. you're going to play, you know, eight to 10 minutes tonight when you're in there, nonstop pressure. Just, yeah, he could be, he could be our version of Alvarado. Exactly. Exactly. That's a great, that's a great way of thinking about it is just, you know, once again, insert the chaos into the, <laughs> into the, into the element here and have Peyton Pritchard be that. I think this is what Scal was going back on. Is he a pit bull? Is he a bulldog? I don't know, whatever Scal doing his thing. Um, but you know, but having Peyton Pritchard to be able to do that is such an extreme luxury for this team. Um, let's, let's, let's move on here and let's go to the next guy that we want to talk about here. And that's Grant Williams. And while he did play in the Golden State game, he only played 13 minutes, I believe. Let me double check that here. I think it was 13 minutes in that Golden State game for for Grant Williams. You know, that game was really played with like a playoff-like energy mentality from both coaches. Really fun to see because you don't get that all the time in the regular season. And then you fast forward to, you know, his performance against Toronto. And if you're looking at us on YouTube here, uh, Greg's got some highlights going. But a much, you know, broader performance where he plays just over 34 minutes he goes 7 of 13 has 25 points a lot of that damage coming in the first half got to the line eight times so it's interesting and we had this discussion in our Celtics blog chat recently about what do you think Grant's going to get in free agency this season and there was part of me after the Golden State game that was thinking you know man it's tough to to justify 18 to 20 million for a guy that can get you 13 minutes in a big game like Golden State Mm-hmm. Flip ahead 48 hours later, and you see, oh, hey, there's a guy that has such immense value as a guy that can play 13 minutes one game, play 34 the next, and do the things that he did, that maybe he does end up in that range. So we'll see where that plays out. But it is a really interesting you know, balance to look at the Golden State game compared to what Grant was able to do in the Toronto game. Yeah, and thinking forward to the playoffs, I think the great thing about the Celtics team is the depth that we have and the different pieces that Joe Mazzulla can go to for certain matchups, right? Grant Williams, for whatever reason, you you would think on paper he might match up well against the Warriors, but it didn't seem like they trusted him to guard in in that game, right? And maybe, maybe it was the offense. Um, they, they just wanted a little bit more Tatum and Brown on the court. And when we, you play Tatum and Brown as much as they did in that game, Grant's kind of the odd man out. Cause he, you know, he can kind of um, function a, as a bigger wing, as you can see him here on the screen guard and Siakam right now, like look, look at him move his feet, man. He, he played great. But I think, you know, in the playoffs, maybe it's, 
we have Grant Williams available for the matchup against the Nets because he does guard Kevin Durant well. He does guard uh, Kyrie Irving well. Maybe he doesn't play as much against the Bucks because he might struggle against Giannis, but that's why you have Blake Griffin. That's literally why you signed Blake Griffin is because he can give you five minutes guarding Giannis and maybe pick up a couple charges and frustrate Giannis. You know, So when you, when you think about this team and you see what Grant is adding to his game when he's called upon to play in whatever matchup Missoula thinks works for his skill set. I think Grant is going to be ready. And I just love the fact that he's gaining that confidence to shoot the three. And now he's driving with the purpose and driving to make plays for others. There are plenty of times in that game last night where he, he did the thing I thought he wasn't going to do, which was Mm -hmm. great. You know, like I I thought I kind of figured Grant out and I knew when he was going to pass, when he was going to shoot, when he was going to drive, when he's going to pump fake. And in the game last night, you know, he, he did so many more things that I thought were um, beyond just like the the norm of what you see from Grant Williams. So I was very excited to see that performance from Grant. He was probably, I mean, I guess he was the second best player on the floor for the Celtics. I think it would probably go Brogdon, JB, then Grant. Um, so third best player. I mean, I, think you could make, I mean, I mean, honestly, I think you can make an argument for it to be, you know, it, any of those, any of those orders right there. All of those guys had very, very impactful performances. And, you know, I mean, it, cause that first half was, was pretty rough on the Celtics, you know, with the injuries that started to pile up with both Rob and Marcus kind of figuring things out on the fly, you know, in that first half, that's really when Grant Williams kind of kept the game in striking distance for the Celtics, you know, he had 18 of that 25 in that first half hitting three of five from three, you know, he had three rebounds. He was three or four from the line. So, you know, without Grant Williams, the Celtics might not have even have been in striking distance. You could argue, you know, coming out uh, into the second half where I think they were down either, I think seven, maybe coming mm-hmm. out of halftime. Uh, so, you know, this is the game. I think you really look to as the importance of, of Grant Williams, you know, the versatility. And that's probably the biggest thing that I think Grant offers. He's one of those role players that, you know, every good team wants, every good team wants a guy like Grant Williams. We've said this about OG and Anobi on the other side for the Raptors as well. Every good team wants a guy like Grant that allows you different, different areas of versatility. And the fact that he keeps surprising you. That element of surprise where as much as we watch the Celtics, if we're surprised, two guys who watch and rewatch the majority of Celtics games, you know, that just speaks to the evolution of who Grant Williams is. And I think it's really cool to think about where he was year two when everybody was this guy, Grant Danny missed again, which is one of the biggest fallacies of all time that Danny Ainge missed on all these draft picks. He missed yeah. on like Marshawn. The entire Brooks. team. <laughs> yeah, he, he missed on like Marshawn Brooks like seven years ago or something, who was like pick 30. And that just is like an unfair, um, you know, unfair reputation that stuck with, with Danny Ainge during his time here. And now you see these guys that we're literally leading the podcast with, Peyton Pritchard and Grant Williams, two Danny Ainge draft picks. And, you know, to see where he was in year two, the criticisms he took, and to see where his game has evolved to in the in the ways that he can make plays, it, it's a really stunning development. And, you know, we laughed at Zach Lowe throwing out there last year. Maybe Grant's a $20 million guy. Like, all right, Zach, pump the brakes. I mean, at this point now, I, I think there's if he has a good postseason, I'm not going to be surprised if he's hovering right at or around that $20 million value. What was that guy's name, the, the Raptors announcer? Uh, I just had it up here. Matt something. Hold on. Matt Devlin. 
Matt Devlin. So Matt Devlin also loves Grant Williams. He was saying that he was like, he's a winning player. He's so tough. He's so physical. He's gutsy. You know, if, if there's a team out there um, that's, you know, he's a free agent this year. If there's a team out there that's looking to add a winning player, you add Grant Williams, right? So like other teams are recognizing how much value Grant Williams has, which is scary for the Celtics because we had a chance to sign him you know, for probably 15 million. I think that was the number that we were looking at and we didn't want to go to to 15 million with him. So hopefully we can get him um, back on this team. I think Grant's a really important piece. He's only 24 years old, man. He like kind of, you would assume that he was a little bit older than that just because of his game, you know, but he's still 24 years old. He has a much older game, right? Like he doesn't have, you know, you think of a lot of new guys coming to the league and either they're shooting, you know, threes from, 10 feet beyond the arc or they're crazy athletic. And he's, you know, I mean, he, this is why a lot of people feel like he's the Al Horford eventual mm-hmm. replacement. I mean, obviously he's not the same size as Al Horford, but yeah. can do a lot of the similar things. And it's a little bit of that older man game. Yeah. So I, I really hope that the Celtics find a way to keep Grant and Grant loves being on the Celtics. You know, he, he's really good friends with Tatum. He, he seems to, be a good presence in the locker room. You know, he, I think he can be a lot at times just because of his personality, but it seems like for the most part, everybody realize, realizes his heart is in the right place and he's just being Grant. You know, Grant's going to Grant. Maybe he's like the, the Boston Celtics version of Manny back in the yeah. day. Like, Manny being <laughs> like Manny, that, Grant that's being Grant. Kind of what I'm seeing out of Grant Williams and the, the, um, the ability right now of Grant Williams to shoot the ball, deck the ball, and pass the ball. I mean, dribble, pass, and shoot. That's all you can ask for out of an offensive player. And then you add the fact that he's a good screener and he's a good offensive rebounder and he's a, an above average to really good defender. Grant Williams is probably worth 18 to $20 million a year. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a good chance that that's where it ends somewhere. I think his floor at this point is probably in that 13 to $15 million range. But we'll see. That's a topic for another day, and I'm sure we'll cover that in depth, but let's take a quick break right now. We come back, we'll hit a few more of these players, take a look at the week ahead. And of course, Sunday morning, y'all is this on a Monday. We're vibing. We're going to hit you up with a vibe check. We'll be right back. All right, Greg, let's, let's keep it moving here with a few other guys that we want to hit over these last couple of games. Let's go to Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown, I was just looking at this a minute ago as we're getting set up for this. Jalen Brown coming off, you know, missing three games with that adductor, that hip adductor injury, uh, you know, comes back in the Golden State game, then plays in Toronto where he has to take on, you know, even more of a load without Jason Tatum in that game. He has played roughly 84 minutes (laughs) in the last two games. Uh, Am I crazy? Is that a lot of minutes? That's a lot of minutes. (laughs) That's a lot of minutes. A lot of minutes for our guy, Jalen Brown. And uh, a really interesting set of games from Jalen Brown, starting with Golden State. Right now, we've got some of the highlights playing from the Raptors game. Once again, shout out to our guy, Timmy. Hope you're doing well, man. And, you know, Jalen Brown in that Golden State game, he was out for three games, so you want to give him a little slack. But I don't know what the hell was happening for the first 90 95% of that game with Jalen Brown. That was not the Jalen Brown that I love and trust and know. But you get to the end of the game. Who hits the game tying shot? Who scores, you know, five points in overtime? Who starts to to come up real clutch at the end? Who else but Jalen Brown? Uh, you know, you and I were even texting, like, I'm not sure if we can close with Jalen Brown in this game. Glad we did, because he was there when it mattered at the end of that game. And then really, you know, early on and you know, throughout really throughout the Toronto game, 
was able to kind of be that that solid force for the Celtics to lean on throughout. Maybe not the greatest stat line at the end, but with a real steady performance that was needed when you're missing, you know, his his running partner and Jason Tatum. So overall, just a really, really interesting set of games for Jalen Brown. What were some of your takeaways, Greg? Yeah, let's start with the the Raptors game because we've got those highlights up there. So I I, I think I'd disagree on the overall stat line. I, you know, I think he had five turnovers in the game, but that was really the only negative. He ended up 10 for 23, 27 points, eight rebounds, six assists, three steals. I think that was his final stat line. I thought JB played great. He had a couple lapses on defense, but for the most part, I thought he was really engaged on the defensive end. You see a steal right there on Ananobi. Um, he had the big steal at the end on Siakam. He always plays Siakam well. But JB, you know, I was really impressed with him, Will, because with seven minutes left in the game, he made his last basket, Mm -hmm. right? And then from that point forward, he didn't take another shot in the game. He he got doubled a couple times. Like the next possession after he hit his last basket, they immediately double teamed him. And I thought JB was going to take a quick shot. And Grant was the, the role man. Grant slipped the screen and JB gave it to Grant. Grant missed the layup at the rim, but he made the right play. Next possession, JB gets a steal in transition. You would think he's going to go try and finish that on his own. Passes the ball a count early in, in a good way to Grant. Grant misses another layup. And you would think <laughs> JB is going to go into tunnel vision mode at that point, and he didn't. He continued to make the right play. There were a couple times where he took Achua to the elbow, and Achua played great defense on him, and JB could have taken that fadeaway jumper contested. He did not take that. He passed the ball out to Pritchard. He passed the ball out to Brogdon and kept the ball moving for for buckets. And JB was the was the steadying force in that fourth quarter. He only had one turnover, I believe, in that fourth quarter, and that was when um that was when Trent ripped him at the top of the key. But other than that, I agreed with almost all of his decision making in the fourth quarter. Here, as you see, I think yeah that that little pull up on Trent there was his second to last basket, and then he hit a three pointer at the top of the key. But JB was awesome in this game. And going back to that Warriors game, I mean, he just looked out of place. He looked like I like I texted you. I didn't want to sit him the entire the last five minutes. I said mm-hmm. we should take him out for a two minute stretch. You know, yeah. get him back in at three minutes. Maybe something happens in that two minutes. And then he, I think he had um he, he had a big no, he had the the dunk in transition on that next play, literally right after I texted you that. But I think JB, there's that pass to Grant that Grant misses. But JB played great in this game. He played great down the stretch um, of the Warriors game. And I was just really excited to see him step up in a game without Tatum because that narrative has been out there that JB can't be a number one option. And I thought that he showed in this game against a team with a lot of good defenders, JB was able to make the right play over and over again. Yeah, in that Golden State game, just in the fourth quarter in overtime, 12 points and seven rebounds down the stretch for Jalen Brown. So super impactful. But, you know, at times it did look like the ghosts of dribbling past had kind of caught up to him a little bit. And it was, you know, different areas in which uh, Jalen just looked, like you said, out of place. But, you know, sometimes that happens when you take a week off, you know, recovering from from an injury. Those things can happen. But I I do think, once again, you know, nine-game win streak and what is really sticking out to me from these last two games with the Celtics is the ways in which, you know, it it doesn't have to be perfect because it's it's honestly, these last two games have felt a lot like postseason basketball in that a lot of stuff's going to go wrong. But how do you bounce back? How do you find a way to get right again? How do you steady yourself, get back to neutral and not let 
you know, one mistake kind of evolve into something more. And I think that's something that as we've watched the Jays and, and this team grow as a whole, they've been able to cut down on that. Hey, that one moment, I feel like a lot, you know, over the last couple of years of certain games, you could point to remember this moment. It all fell apart after that. We just couldn't get back on track. And, you know, whether it's just maturity, maybe it's just experience, whatever the reason is, I think this team is finding more and more opportunities to be able to correct themselves and not let mistakes kind of develop into something more. And Jalen Brown, I think, is just a great example of that, that he's able to continuously from one mistake where maybe he dribbles the ball out of bounds and it's hard to explain. But then, like you said, you just highlighted everything else that follows. And so it takes a very different type of mentality to bounce back from that. And the Celtics have done that a lot over these last two games. Mm-hmm. And there's another play that I want to talk about. I, I don't have the highlight for it, but the Celtics were really struggling to score down the stretch. I think we only scored eight points in the last seven minutes of that game. And it was ugly. Yeah. You would expect JB at some point to take a shot, right. And then to try and force it. And he played his role really well. There's this one play, the Celtics went to their little like horns to chin action. So horns is when you have the two screeners right around the elbow. Chin is when you enter it into one of those instead of um, instead of setting like a, a double screen there. So when they did that, JB set a back screen for Brogdon to, to free up Brogdon. And then he, um, you know, just kind of held his spot right there at the elbow after setting that screen. The fact that JB is like a willing screener these days and he's still playing within the offense and knowing his role because setting a good screen, as we've seen from Tatum, a lot of times can open you up into getting an easy look. Like in that Warriors game, bringing back to the Warriors game, there was that one play where JB set the screen and kind of held Wiggins off at the top of the key and then got a bucket in the paint. Um, down the stretch and that was another huge play where JB this is another thing we talk a lot about Tatum and the way that he's developing other parts of his game JB is a willing screener he's always been a willing screener but now he's starting to make better decisions as a screener when he gets the ball in the short roll so on and so forth so to see that development from Jalen Brown I was really excited to see that out of him obviously there are gonna there's a very steep learning curve for JB because he really hasn't had too many options to just be the number one option in a game and it's important in these games without Tatum that we entrust him to kind of run the offense and make the right decision accept the double team get rid of it early c2 and move the ball that last mm-hmm. three-pointer that Pritchard hit right JB's coming off um I, th- I think they went to a, a stack a Spain pick and roll option where Pritchard flared out uh, opposite and JB when Grant rolled to the hoop JB had three bodies looking at him and he just made the very simple pass right out to Peyton Pritchard on the wing for a wide open three pointer. And those are the types of plays that Jalen Brown needs to be willing to make. And the more opportunities he has to make those plays, I think he's going to recognize them and make the right play over and over again, because I think all the guys are seeing that when you make the simple play, it leads to an open shot. And we have guys that can knock down those shots. That's the, that's the that that right there to me says everything about the Celtics team. When they keep it simple, it's beautiful basketball, and it tends to work out, right? It, it's when sometimes the Celtics, whether they go matchup hunting or, you know, and this actually, I want to real quick just touch on this because I'm I am curious to get your thoughts. The end, the final stretches of both of these last two games have produced some good moments and some very very head scratching moments, mm-hmm. and so when you just look at just look at these last two games. Do you feel more or less confident in the Celtics' end-of-game offensive approach after these last two games? Do you feel more or less confident after watching these last two games? 
That's a great question. Um, probably less confident. Like there's, there's just some plays that they make where I don't know if it's like maybe Missoula needs to call a timeout in this moment. Like when Marcus Smart had two turnovers in a row and like maybe, maybe or when Peyton Pritchard gets trapped in the, in the corner by the, by the half. Yeah. Court line. And, I, and I was thinking about that one. Right. So like if Pritchard just makes the right decision in that moment and throws the ball ahead to JB, that's like an easy dunk and the game's over. So like, I understand not wanting to call a timeout or if he just makes a better pass across court to Grant <laughs> Williams, who's streaking up. I don't know if it got deflected or if he just threw a bad pass, but like counterpoint Peyton Pritchard, although he's had a good game, hasn't had much experience in these moments, Joe. So maybe call that mm-hmm. timeout and just make yeah. sure you have the right play. Right. So I don't know if it's on the players to execute on Joe, to settle them, to make sure they're in the right position to execute. But down the stretch against the Warriors game, man, like Marcus, I I tend to trust him in those moments. I I, I do feel like he's going to make the right decision, but he made two of the dumbest decisions. I've I'm still trying seen. to figure out who he was throwing like, the pass to. Bro. The the first pass, I think, was somehow even worse than the second pass. Like, that's one of the things you don't do when you get trapped in the corner is to just immediately throw the ball back under your basket because that's what the trap is designed to do. They trap you in the corner to try and force you to make that pass back under the basket, and they got to open three-pointer out of it, right? And they have Draymond, he's passing the ball to Jason Tatum under the basket while Draymond Green, the maybe the best defender of the past 10 years, is the person coming at him to trap. Like that is not the guy to do that to. And then the pass, I mean, JB needs a lot of credit for that save because I don't know what smart was thinking. I thought maybe JB would have stepped, uh, his foot would have hit the ground before he saved it back in, but even slow motion, he saved the ball. And then you almost get an eight second violation. We got to get Tatum up the Tatum had like a half second delay on like, oh, hey, this ball like didn't end up out of bounds. I need to get this like beyond half court. I was like, oh my God, go. Like what is happening (laughs) in this game right now? And so that's why, like, you know, I think about these last two games and there were some because like those are those are like some of the worst moments right there that we Mm -hmm. we just highlighted. But you can also look to, you know, JB did knock down the three they got. You know, it was kind of off a broken play. The Warriors didn't match up correctly. JB takes advantage, knocks down the three. Go ahead. What are you going to say? Uh, did you see the, did you see like the slow-mo of that where Jordan Poole's just standing there? Like n- no idea who to guard. And <laughs> yeah. Andrew, Wigg- Andrew Wiggins is like, there's your guy, go guard him. And then Poole just stands here at the top of the key and Wiggins has to go cover JB is like, that's why you don't have Jordan Poole. I mean, that's, that's moment. the Jordan Poole. That's the, the pool issue for, you know, the pool party lineup when it comes to the, when it comes to the Warriors. And then you look at the Raptors game, you know, and you, you know, actually even, even the Golden State game, when you go to overtime, you get some great ball movement, Al Horford, who we're going to talk about here in a second, not down a couple of threes late in the game because you just have great ball movement but then you also end up with Stan Van Gundy's favorite play of the game I can't believe Al Horford was <laughs> intelligent enough to get it on the rim and you know he had to do it again he did that literally a very similar play in Toronto in which completely broken offense towards the end of the game you're trying to seal it and you basically end up with an Al Horford heave that you pray hits the rim so that it doesn't go out of bounds and give the give the Raptors a chance to set up uh so it's it, i don't know it's really confounding when you look at the ending of these last two games of how it should leave what what feeling you should be left with yeah i guess i'm left with um the knowledge that the Celtics need to be in more of these situations because they need to figure it out 
Yeah. Like, I mean, th- think back to the game seven of the Heat series. Like, we almost blew was it like a 13 point lead in the last two and a half minutes of that <laughs> Hung game. Hung on for dear life. Oh, oh, my gosh. Like, this is something that the Celtics need to figure out. And I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if it's like, get the ball in Brogdon's hands. Is it like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, w- one thing we can take away, Will, the last two games, although injuries were, were a factor in this most recent Raptors game, Malcolm Brogdon was on the court in stretch time. Yeah. That was something that I texted you. I said, I am going to lose my mind if Malcolm Brogdon is not on the court during stretch, during crunch time against the Warriors. Because in the first game, if you remember against the Warriors, he didn't really play much in the fourth quarter. He had a good game and then barely saw the, the court in the fourth quarter. And it seemed like Missoula kind of tipped his hand as to who he is going to be going to in crunch time in the playoffs. Like maybe beginning in the season all the theories like they're saving Brogdon. They don't want to play him too much in crunch time right now because they don't want those minutes to go up. Like maybe that's all true, you know, and it's as transparent as it seems. But then second game against the Warriors, we understand the stakes. Brogdon has to be on the court. He's playing well. And they had him on the court all the fourth quarter, all of overtime. And he played 35 minutes in that game. So I have that pulled up here because Malcolm Brogdon, I think has been phenomenal during, during this nine game win streak. You know, he's averaging just under 19 points, five rebounds, three assists, less than one turnover per game shooting, just lights out 54% from three point range, 52% overall. And, you know, something that we've really preached on as you were, as you were saying is at some point, they got to let Malcolm, like whether it's closing or getting his minutes ramped up. And three of the last four games, he's actually gone over 30 minutes, which I believe all of those are the first times this season. Now, there's a few, there's one or two others in here as well, but three out of the last four games, he's gone over that 30 minute mark, 30, just under 36 minutes against the Warriors, another about 35 minutes against the Raptors. And his play in this stretch has been truly phenomenal. And, you know, Greg, I've doubled down on my sixth man of the year here with Malcolm Brogdon. Not exactly a hot take, but threw some more skin in on that game, uh, gambling wise. Okay, so I'm I'm, I'm betting on what it. What are the I odds mean, on that right now? Uh, I think when I got it the other day, it was is like plus four hundred or, or something like that. Somehow, Russell Westbrook and Jordan Poole are the current betting favorites. Uh, not sure if that's been updated in the last forty eight hours or so, but. I'm betting on my guy, Brogdon. The Celtics have the best record in the NBA. He's been, you know, lights out over this last stretch. I think he's really making a lasting impression on, you know, that six man of the year candidacy, having a couple of moments in some big games. But he's been really important in this this version of Malcolm Brogdon. This is everything that we've been asking for when we were saying or when we got really excited about the acquisition of Malcolm Brogdon. It's everything right here. The one nitpick i will say which which has started to become somewhat comical for me watching he's really good at getting to the rim not so great at finishing when he gets to the rim from less than 10 feet i think i had it pulled up here you know from less than 10 feet on the season he's shooting 51 percent, which you know isn't when you're that close to the rim not ideal but he gets to the rim very well the finishing mm-hmm. can be a little bit iffy but when you're shooting 54 percent from three over the last nine games all of that could easily be forgiven. I think Malcolm Brogdon's been an absolutely, you know, one of the the main reasons the Celtics are on this run right now. Yeah, I don't have too much of a problem with his lack of finishing at the rim. I think part of it is he's not the greatest athlete. So if he doesn't like get the right position on the drive, he can kind of get 
um, overpowered by uh, other like more athletic defenders, overwhelmed, maybe not overpowered, overwhelmed by more athletic defenders. You saw that that one drive where Precious sent his stuff off the glass like that stuff happens when you're Malcolm Brogdon because you're not a vertical athlete, right? You're you're more of a, a powerful athlete that just plays um, with position and. Brogdon, I, the fact that he's getting paint touches is more important to me than like the the rate at which he's finishing because I think he's going to finish stronger around the hoop as as he's getting more reps with that, especially as he as other guys learn how to play off of his drives. So maybe like as he's driving, he's going to look to throw more lobs over mm-hmm. the top to Rob, or maybe he's going to look to skip cro- cross court. Like there was that one play in the fourth quarter against the Raptors where JB. Um, he accepted a double team grant rolled to the basket. Brogdon was in the right corner. JB passes the ball to Brogdon. He drives baseline. He kicks the ball out to Horford. Horford finds Pritchard for his second to last three, like those types of plays from Brogdon off of those corner drives, um, I think are, are what matters, right? Like yeah. he, yeah, you want him to finish around the rim, but he's causing, as you said, to bring back your word chaos, he's causing chaos by getting into the paint pretty much at will. And hopefully, you know, that left-hand runner that he likes to go to will go down in key moments like it did with three minutes left in the game last night. His last bucket was off a drive to his left hand on Scotty Barnes, who he kind of gave it to throughout the game last night. And if you're worried about Brogdon versus athleticism, I mean, Scotty Barnes is as athletic as it gets, and he, I yeah. thought he had a good game last night. So I'm not too worried about that. I think Brogdon has been great. Yeah, I mean, I think your point about the paint touches is is pretty important. And I remember, you know, a few years back before Kemba was officially, you know, just completely broken down, the glimpses of, you know, what was left of Kemba at the time, we could track every single time to what were his paint touches in that game and how that, you know, helped that Celtics team to be able to just create space, create more opportunities, even when it didn't result always in him getting the bucket. In this case, Malcolm Brogdon, I do think to your point, just having that paint pressure does a lot more than, you know, you know, necessarily that it, that matters more than the percentage. And he's just been really spectacular on this run. He was, you know, we look at these last two games. He was a guy that was super steady, super solid in both of them. And, you know, that leads me to the last guy that I want us to talk about here before we we take a look at, at the week ahead. And we got to talk about our man on the grill, Uncle Al. Came out in that Warriors game just, you know, on fire in that first quarter. He was everywhere to begin the game and certainly left his mark at the end of the game. You know, he finished with 20 points, 10 rebounds, uh, certainly some signature blocks in that game. Unfortunately, two of them directly turned into turnovers from from Jason Tatum. But uh, Al Horford was amazing in that Golden State game. I think arguably one of his best games, you know, regular season games for sure. I think that Bucks game is probably still his best game ever as a Celtic. Um, But I think this game is right up there. And then you flip to the Toronto game where it, it looked like when we saw Al live in San Antonio, it felt like he had some old legs. And mm-hmm. hey, you know what? My guy's 36. I'm 33 feeling pedestrian as hell with shoulder and turning into neck injuries, you know, from sleeping at this point. My guy's 36 <laughs> out there getting it done every night. You know, it's going to happen that the legs are not going to gonna quite be there. But 
Al turns it on at the end of the game, becomes the jump ball king, gets two jump balls to end the game, has the steal to end the game against Pascal Siakam before he can go ahead and get off a shot. And I think he's still running to Orlando right now for the Monday (laughs) night game. And so I think just looking at these games with with Al Horford, as we've been doing here, looking at the different versions of each player that we're getting. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, I just feel like, damn, am I glad Al Horford's on our team. Yeah, and I think in the game against the Warriors, like the fact that they went um, Looney off the bench and they went to that small lineup, it was really interesting to see how they were going to match up, right? And a lot of times we were able to get um, Wiggins on Horford. And Wiggins has been a problem for us on the defensive end. And the fact that Al like big-boyed him three times early in that game, I thought was really, really important just to set a tone that like Andrew Wiggins, like, yeah, maybe you push Tatum around in the finals. Maybe you give Jalen Brown some some problems in isolation. But like, you're not going to be able to guard Al Horford in the post. So Al Horford gave it to him, and he, he gave him the too small thing twice um, early in that <laughs> game. And I just love to see that from Al because he is, you know, he's the elder statesman on this team. Yeah. And sometimes he has to come out and protect his younger guys and show him like, I'm going to lead the way. I'll lead by example. Here's what we're going to do tonight. We are going to be bullies down low. They're going to start this small lineup. Like, get that out of here, Andrew Wiggins, because yeah. we were just watching that highlight. <laughs> the turnover. The Tatum turnover. Oh, that was so bad. Um, but Al was, Al was oh, so big great. in that game, man. I mean, this corner three, that was a great pass by Tatum, by the way. That corner yep. three was huge. That was, that was probably the biggest shot of the game, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it did feel like things were slipping away, especially after those two Tatum turnovers. Um, so very happy to see that out of the Celtics. Actually, was this the second Tatum turnover here? Because yeah, here's another block. Yeah, yeah, another block, and then Tatum gets, gets chased down from behind. From behind. Oh, yeah. Tatum, what were you doing? <laughs> yeah. um, R- rough yeah, turnover quarter for Jason r- Tatum. Very that. rough turnover quarter from Tatum. But I, I thought Horford was awesome in both of those games. Um, there's that second three in overtime. And Big Al just took us home, man. I was so so happy to see that out of Al. Um, any other thoughts on Horford before we, we head on to the vibe check? Nah, I mean, there's not much else to say, I think, with Al. It's, you know, like you said, he's the elder statesman. But I do love that, you know, when we have these big games, Al's ready to talk. I love that Al is ready to kind of, you know, start stirring it up a little bit. Because he is, I feel like generally, he's a little bit more reserved. He'll flex every now and then. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we had our guy, Martin McDonough, shout out, you know, put together a a little video leading up, a little hype video leading up to uh, the Warriors game. And, you know, in our our chat, I just mentioned, man, I I forgot the playoff Al just runs his mouth. At playoff Al, you know, does not have a filter. Playoff Al is here for it. He's about that life. And he brought that in that Warriors game. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then even at the end of that Raptors game, you could see the emotion that he had when Peyton Pritchard hit that shot. He was yep. the, you know, the loudest one to congratulate him. And then when you see him going for those back-to-back, you know, stepping up to to deal with Pascal Siakam, and even there was a, a contest that he had one-on-one against Siakam with about a minute 30 left or so, and Siakam had been killing us in the mid-range all day, getting the looks that, that he wanted with that kind of step back in that mid-range area. And, you know, Al was right there to contest. Al strips him later in the game, then obviously has the jump ball. And then, you know, as soon as he gets that steal, you could see him just run off that court, like I said. And so, you know, the Celtics are just very blessed to have a guy like Al Horford. And, you know, it's it's really amazing to see the things. And I don't feel like everyone knows he's old Uncle Al, right? 
but he, and he's not going to have obviously the LeBron stat lines, but you see the guys that are left from his, you know, from his draft class from that, that range of time. There's, you know, Kevin Durant was in that draft class, but there's not a lot. There's not many other guys that are doing the stuff that Al is doing at his age, you know? So it's, it's just incredibly impressive the way that he's been able to carry himself um, and been able to perform at, at such a high level. And of course, with the extension, have him around in Boston for the next couple of years. So definitely a blessing right there. Love. Two games, lots to talk about from just two games. Yeah, we I mean we we didn't cover everything that we had planned to cover, but we we need to move on because yeah. we're we're already at 47 yeah, minutes. We're we're going we'll probably go another 47. <laughs> you want to go a week ahead before let's do, the let's do, let's do a week ahead right now. Yeah. Let's let's take a quick look here at what the Celtics have uh scheduled on tap here. For the week ahead, so as we're recording this on Sunday morning, Celtics are going to be in Orlando. Potentially, if you're listening to this on the day of release, they will be at Orlando, followed by at Miami on Tuesday. A back-to-back. Be interesting to see how the injuries play out in that. My guess would be we probably see Rob in one game, Al in another game. We don't see them together in either of those games. Seems like the most likely scenario. Then we're going to have a rivalry week matchup against the New York Knicks on Thursday, for which your boys will be in the building. Yeah, when baby. we come at you uh, next week the garden man we haven't been there in a while when was the last game that you and i were at the garden because i did i made it to one of the playoff games last year what when was the last time you and i was it Cavs, celtics like a christmas like 2019 or something like that was that, that was that the that last sound, one that sounds right that was yeah you were at that game right so it was me you mark and chris at that I, one. i think it was just me you and chris and then you made friends with um Brad Wanamaker's wife. Oh yeah, she was. <laughs> that was hilarious. Okay, yeah, me, you, and Chris at that one, and then the one before that, we went to the the Kyrie game on Christmas. Yeah, so it's so it's been a minute, man. So I'm excited. We'll be back in the garden for that. So uh, if y'all are around. Come holler at your boys. We'll be around. We'll we'll leave some more info for that. Uh, and then on Saturday, LeBron James and the Lakers come to town. Don't know if we'll be in the building for that one. May try to find a way. We'll keep you posted. Um, but Celtics, Lakers. So a couple, couple of big games this week. Magic, Miami back-to-back. Knicks on Thursday. Saturday, LeBron and the Lakers. Injuries kind of leave the, the lineups. TBD. Um, but other than, you know, obviously us being in the building for that, for that New York Nick game, uh, what are you looking forward to this week, Greg? Man, I feel like we need to beat the magic, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it does kind of feel like that because, you know, nine game win streak. It feels like this is maybe a two and two week coming just with all the injuries and all the mm-hmm. buildup. And it feels like when you look at that, Miami's playing really well right now. Miami's starting to hit their stride. They're back outside of the play in. Mm-hmm. You know, the Knicks have been tough all season. They did lose Mitchell Robinson. So that does help, at least on, on that front, not having to play him. And then it's, it's LeBron and the Lakers. LeBron hates Boston and loves playing in Boston. Mm-hmm. So that's always worrisome. So to your point, it feels like Orlando's kind of the one that's a must well, have out of these four games. It is, but so think about the first two games, right? We we lost two in a row at home to Orlando. Tatum, maybe we sit Tatum in Toronto because we want to make a statement against the, against the Magic. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that maybe that's the case cuz Tatum missed that uh second game that we lost against the Magic. And then we have the Heat who just came to Boston on their last visit and beat us mm-hmm. on that back-to-back when Jimmy Butler sent out that video, like, Boston, I'm coming for you. Well, Jimmy Butler, we're coming for you now, man. And, like, hopefully, hopefully 
we have our full complement of players against the Heat and that they decide against the Magic, like maybe Tatum and Brown are enough to kind of get us over the hump and that we have Al, we have Rob, we have Marcus. I don't know if Marcus will be around for a while, but mm-hmm. hopefully we have as many people as possible for that Heat game because I do think that is an important game for the Celtics to win. Um, obviously, you know, Game 7 last year could have gone either way, went the Celtics' way, but I think the Heat still believe that they can you know, compete with the Celtics and beat us in a playoff series. So I do think it's important for the Celtics to take care of business against that heat game. If it means we have to drop a third in a row to the magic, so be it. But I really want to see the Celtics win in Miami. And then I'm just excited to be back in Boston, man. I'm so, so excited to be there. Um, There is, I don't want to make the announcement for our guy, but we do have, there's a big reason why we're going back to Boston. I'm sure that will be announced um, here at some point, but the Knicks game, hopefully we can be in town, uh, be in the building for the Lakers game as well. Cause I'd like to see LeBron James in person one more time. Yeah, it's funny. I've, I've LeBron's one of the few guys that I've never seen play live. So, you know, and, and I wish there was someone I had in my life that, you know, could have maybe brought me to that opportunity at some point in a, you know, in, in the past, but, you know, unfortunately there's just not that, that friend that, that exists that was around or available to, to maybe bring someone to one of the greatest games in, in Celtic history. But, you know, if, if that could have been, that would have been cool. So maybe there's a new opportunity here with this upcoming weekend that get a chance to see LeBron. I probably, I probably owe you that one. <laughs> so we'll, we'll figure that one out. But uh, before we move on here to the vibe check, Greg, what, what's your prediction for the Celtics record this week with these four games? Mm, two and two. Yeah, I hate it. Just, I, yeah, nine nine game winning streak. I think it comes to a close probably against the Heat. I feel like we get our revenge against the Magic. I think Tatum and Brown are enough to get us get us there. And then the Heat are just a problem for us, man. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to see them in the playoffs. We're going to be second night of a back to back. That will be what the third game in four four nights there. So that's going to be a tough one for the Celtics. Um, and then I think we win. Because we're in the building, I, I feel like we got to win the game against the Knicks. And then the Lakers owe us one. So, yeah, you know, and Anthony, Anthony Davis one. might be coming back, right? There, there's uh, I think they're back. more looking at like early f- first week of February. So I think okay. that would be a little bit of a surprise if he's if he's back for that one. Um, but just with LeBron James in Boston, you know, he gets up for for those games. So I do think you have to put that into, you know into account but yeah i'm with you i think it's a two and two week um it's just a lot of you know nine game nine game win streak the injuries there's a lot of build up to that and you know looking at this miami game i think there's really two teams that i just really don't want to see in that first round of the playoffs once you get beyond the first round whatever it is what it is it's going to be tough i don't want to see toronto who we just played or miami in that first round Cause I think we're going to win both of those series. I absolutely fully believe we're going to win both of those series, but they're going to be so painful that we may not leave those series in the best shape mm-hmm. that I just do not want to see either of those pesky ass teams in the first round. Cause I just think that's going to leave us a little bit beaten and battered when we need to be at full strength against some of these other teams in the East. So yeah, that's going to be an interesting matchup. We'll see what happens. Uh, once again, like I said, we'll be have we'll, we'll cover everything from the Orlando Miami game. We'll set everything up for the Knicks and Lakers games next time that we come on here. But for now, as we always do, let's go ahead and do what we do Sunday morning, leading you into the week here on a Monday. Let's go ahead and queue up a vibe check.
right, Greg, you're going to take this one first. What you, what you got for us on a vibe check? Okay, I am vibing with tools that allow you to get dog hair out of a carpet. All right, so <laughs> the first one that I have here is this little device. I don't really know what it's called, but it's got these little metal teeth in it. Yeah, and you encourage so, us to get one. We have one too. Okay, nice. So I have these two things here, right? This one here is more of like a, a lint trap. It's got this like Velcro like material here at the bottom. I use this um, mostly on my bed every night because the dogs like to pop into the bed in the morning. So there's always dog hair at some point on our bed. So every night before bed, I like to use this to get the dog hair off of the sheets. And then yesterday, we um, actually, you know what? I'm going to go back. So I am vibing with this, but also I'm vibing with something else. I'm vibing with hosting events at your house that cause you to clean your house when it's dirty. So like forcing yourself to clean your house by hosting an event, because that's what we did last night with uh, Black Sheep Optimus. We hosted a game night. And then I had to use this tool for the first time where we got all of the dog hair out of the carpet. And bro, mm -hmm. I, I mean, we filled up like two whole things of our vacuum filter. Like it was crazy how much dog hair we were able to get up. And like I, I vacuum, I don't know, once a week. And I, I use this, this other lint roller on the carpet from time to time. But this device right here, man, like I can't even – so you know how sometimes when you wash a sheet and then you like go into the, the, the lint filter in, mm -hmm. your, um, in your dryer – yeah. And you're able to just like literally pull off like an entire thing of dog hair. Like we had like five of those. It was crazy <laughs> how effective this device is. So I don't really know what it's called, but I recommend for those of you watching on YouTube, uh, buy one of these if you have animals and if you have rugs or carpets because you it's going to change your life or maybe just get like a, a really good vacuum. Yeah, I think that's probably, I think that's, I think the last part, I think that last part is probably it. Get a really good vacuum, vacuum often, and maybe you don't need the tools or maybe you still do. But either way, go ahead. Can you maybe, can you Google re reverse image search? Maybe, I don't know. Well, Greg held it up long enough. Take a snapshot, look at it, see if you can find it. But yeah, we have those same tools. I think basically off of your recommendation, um, we don't have as much carpet. So that definitely helps that we don't have as much in our house, but yeah, it is nice when you have, and, and honestly, like, I got to shout out Lorena here. She keeps the house in very good shape. So when we have people over, it's usually not a huge hassle. I still make it out to be a huge hassle, but <laughs> <laughs> but getting the house in shape, it is nice. And it's, you know, something I've actually been doing more of is I like to kind of do a little bit of a clean before leaving on a trip. Oh, yeah. There's nothing worse than when you come back from a trip and you're like, ah. Oh, crap the house is a mess yeah, like that is just such a, a such a deflating feeling so as i get older that's something that becomes like a must is like all right we got to clean the house up a little bit before we leave because we just can't come back exhausted and then have to deal with that mm -hmm. so a little bit of adulting vice advice here from you boys all right i'm gonna go to my vibe check i'm gonna keep it real simple cinnamon cinnamon's great <laughs> love cinnamon i've uh so we were at trader joe's yesterday and I, and just more and more i've been enjoying like cinnamon baked goods specifically okay. uh, it's just a real nice treat with your coffee on a sunday or really any day but your coffee and some type of cinnamon treats so right now we have this like cinnamon baklava loaf perfect right right as we were coming on today have my cup of coffee have my notepad out doing some notes, looking up some stats. I had a great time. Put me in a fantastic mood. And I feel like in Seinfeld, you know, it's cinnamon. What's what's the ingredient that everyone comes back with when they're trying to figure out what it is? Inevitably, they come back, cinnamon, cinnamon, <laughs> cinnamon. So well, okay. that's my vibe of the week. So lists, let's come up with a list of like the best cinnamon 
um, foods or or drinks right now. For me, I feel like number one, it's got to be Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch was one of my favorite cereals growing up as a kid. Um, There's also that hilarious guy in our neighborhood. Cinnamon. Cinnamon. Yeah. Toast Crunch. Who would say Toast Crunch if you said cinnamon to him. Um, But I I think like Cinnamon Toast Crunch, being able to drink the cinnamon milk after eating the rest of, after eating the cereal, that's pretty great. How about you? Uh, Well, like I said, the cinnamon baklava that we got now, it slaps. It hits. I'm a big fan of it. But cinnamon coffee cake is like one mm. of my one of my favorite things. Uh, sometimes it comes in low. Sometimes it's in almost like a like a brownie type form. But cinnamon coffee cake is just chef's kiss. My grandmother used to make a really good loaf of it. So makes me think of her a little bit, too. So a little bit a little bit nostalgic um, real quick on the cinnamon toast crunch. It's fantastic. What I will say is not fantastic. Knockoff. I've never had a knockoff cinnamon toast crunch brand that that lives up to it you got to get just the original cinnamon toast crunch i've had a few other ones that try to be a little bit healthier or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah none of it lives up to it if you're gonna go you're gonna go for it you gotta go for it you gotta you gotta just go for it i think that applies to all cereal though like any like the the sugar flakes that like yeah instead of frosted flakes just like not quite the same like those are okay but like if you're gonna get cereal like just get the get the name brand get the name brand um i i really liked my so at thanksgiving back in the day my auntie shah shout out auntie shah charlene uh she used to host charlene (laughs) (laughs) is that a caucus spaniel (laughs) kind of dog is that (laughs) uh she used to host thanksgiving and she would make these like cinnamon uh, pecan rolls. Oh okay. my gosh, dude! I, I don't that think she actually great. like made them. I think she bought them from somewhere and just heated yeah, them up yeah. in the oven. But they were phenomenal. Definitely would be on my top cinnamon foods. Although cinnamon gum, not a fan. Ooh, see, I love cinnamon and cinnamon gum, cinnamon mints. As far as like cinnamon Altoids, big fans of both of those. Big Red was was a big part of your boy's life back in the day. What does I it was, do? It. So here's the thing. I think cinnamon, and this is this is my longstanding belief, and this is more on Altoids than it is about about. Gum. You're a big mint and Altoid guy. I am, and, I, and this is this is why this is why. So my first job out of college, when I worked for um, ISA, which is study abroad company here in Austin, Texas, is how I ended up down here. And I used to travel to different universities across the country, and I would spend a week in you know in the Carolinas and Georgia, and I'd, I'd fly into Charlotte, have to drive to Raleigh, then to Atlanta, then to you know some other remote part of, of South Carolina. So I was working, and then basically in between working, I would be driving anywhere from two to four hours and so get real tired out there and so you know i like having a mint to pop in like before a meeting um you know if you're going out somewhere it's just it's it's super simple it dissolves you don't gotta worry about we had this discussion in the car the other day gum you gotta kind of find out what to do with it is there a trash can am i gonna be that guy Mm -hmm. spitting gum out in the floor on the road you know mint just gets the job done maybe doesn't last quite as long but you know I, i think it's effective if you do it at the right time i think it's purely effective but when I was traveling, it was a good way to kind of like give me a quick spark. And I've had other people who have, who have been driving on the road for long periods. I'm going to say they agree. If you're like kind of fading a little bit on the road, pop a couple Altoids. It gives you a little bit of a kick to get you back to neutral so that you're you're back and awake on the road. So I don't know what it is. I don't know what the, the science is behind it. But I've had multiple people agree with me that this is something that can kind of kickstart you a little bit when you need it. Yeah, I guess it's just more like the f- why you use your mint or your gum, right? For me, it's like a breath freshener. 
Mm-hmm. So if it comes down to fresh breath, I feel like gum, especially like Orbit. Orbit's my favorite gum. Or the – what is it? The, the f- Take 5 gum? What, what's that one called? I don't know. Yeah, but there's there's no stride gum. Take I feel like take five is a candy bar. Um, yeah, I think five is stride a candy gum. Bar. Fantastic okay. candy bar. Good bar. candy bar. That is yeah. good candy bar. I feel like gum does a better job at freshening up your breath. And mints, um, for whatever reason, don't really feel like they do that. I always feel like at the end of a mint, my breath is worse than it was before. Maybe I just had bad breath though. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the things that you need to buy. You need to buy a strong vacuum and a strong toothbrush to go ahead and fix your and Look fix at these pearly whites. <laughs> Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Green with Envy. Um, As we said, stay tuned to the podcast. Stay subscribed. We're going to keep y'all posted with everything that is happening. Stay locked in on Celtics blog. Appreciate y'all subscribing. Make sure you're following us on YouTube. All of our podcasts are being live streamed to YouTube, and we'll have additional clips that you can find on our Twitter, our Instagram, and they'll be posted to YouTube. So make sure at Pod you are following us across the board for the journey. Greg, any final thoughts before we we send the people home? Uh, No, no final thoughts. This is a great episode. Happy to do this. Um, we're going to play you out with some music from my band down here in Austin, Texas. As you all know, we are called Black Sheep Optimist, and this one is called Skywalking. Peace, everybody. Peace. I wish it that they never seen the stars in your eyes. A glimpse of what I'm missing, thinking it's a mirage. Ooh, you got me tripping, and it's hard to describe. But I stay for a minute, because I'm digging the vibe. I like the way you're looking at the look in my eyes. Don't be casual when it's only a vibe don't know what the deal is i'm a typical guy you know the one thing different is the state of your mind i'm like oh my my someone throw me a rope i'm getting too damn high didn't know i could float you could call it a vibe it's probably all that you wrote but i'll be doing this shit finally if i didn't have hope because you know that that embody that's what go with the flow i can sing a different song if i cannot hit the notes you had me taking off when you took off your clothes it should be coming down by now but i won't let go